0: Good morning. I'm Randy Peterson. I am delighted to be part of the preaching team here at Hope. And uh, we are finishing, or for now, we're finishing. I don't know if we're gonna pick this up again in January, but we've been talking about the way. uh, the, The way we follow Jesus. We've talked about prayer, we've talked about Bible reading and we've said again and again in various ways that these are not just religious things that we do to be more religious. These are ways that we cultivate that relationship with God. Ways that we keep the lines of communication open. Ways that we talk and share our thoughts and feelings with God and ways we, we listen to him. The last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how God communicates with us, how God directs us, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's place in our lives. This is one of the most fascinating and most confusing things about Christianity, I think. That God lives in believers. That there is a voice of his that operates within us. and. Uh, so we are, we are finishing up a, a three-week section on the Holy Spirit, and then we'll get into Christmas festivities. Uh, uh, we're already into those festivities, but this is not a Christmas message today. Uh, although you could s- say that the Holy Spirit shows up everywhere in the Christmas story. Mary receiving the word of the impending birth, and Joseph being warned of God in a dream, and the magi and the shepherds. Uh, The Holy Spirit is through that whole story. But we're not gonna talk about that today. We're gonna talk about me. Um, I I quit my job last month. Really, I did. and. it was a gasp, wow. Um, and and I, am, I am running a risk today because I'm gonna tell you a rather lengthy story about myself. I hope that it will be of value to you. Uh, and and that we will all learn about how the Holy Spirit talks to us and how we might get it right or get it wrong. The risk is that you may come away from this saying, boy, that Randy is really self-centered. and maybe I am, but I'm really hoping that we will all learn something about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit directs us, how the Holy Spirit talks to us, how he moves us. Uh, I was, I'm amazed by that song we sang earlier, uh, the Spirit of the Living God, that, that you change what we see and what we seek. This is how the spirit operates in us. And so I had a tough decision to make. Um, I was in a perfect job for me. It was ideal. I am a writer. I have been writing about the Bible all my life in various ways and so there was a Bible ministry four years ago that hired me to write and edit and to lead a team of writers and editors. It was the ideal job until it wasn't. And about a year ago, there were some policy changes and some directions in the company that I was uncomfortable with. And so I began to wonder what to do about that. I began to pray that God would change the situation. Now I want to admit to, uh, that I am not interested in dishing dirt on this company. I'm not complaining, I am not this, I'm not even gonna name it. I'm not gonna get specific on things and that's gonna frustrate you, you're gonna be curious about all of that. But that's, this is not about burning bridges, it's about listening to the Holy Spirit. And so as I was dealing with those difficulties, I prayed for most of the first half of this year, I was praying, God, change that situation, change the company, have them rescind that policy and I'll be fine again. He didn't do that. And so my prayers, in the middle of the year or so, my prayers began to change to, Lord, Tell me what I need to do in this situation. I'm gonna pause there for a moment and, and I'm going to ask you to consider decisions that you may have, big ones or little ones, but decisions where you have to decide how God is leading you and it's, it's great to pray, Lord, change that situation. There's an untenable situation, please change that. And sometimes God does not do that for you. And it doesn't mean you're praying badly. It doesn't mean that there's sin in your life. It just means God has a different idea. He's gonna do something else. And somewhere along the line, it makes sense to start saying, okay, how are you going to change me? How are you going to direct me? How how do you want me to deal with this situation that is not changing? That's where I was in July and August and September and wondering and praying, Lord, how am I going to deal with this situation? And I began to think maybe I need to leave this that had been a perfect job for me. I had a vacation, I had lots of vacation time coming up. I had been working very hard in the, in the summer and, uh, and so early October I decided to get away, to drive up into New England and watch leaves turn colors. And so I did. And the focus of this vacation was to pray and to think and to listen to God and to think figure out what to do about this situation at work. And so I just drove north and kept driving through Connecticut and Massachusetts and into Vermont. And then finally I saw colors that were as pretty as New Jersey always seems to be. So um, seriously, I came back and, and I was kind of disappointed in New England. I drove down 295 and said, here, this is it. These are, <laughs> this are the foliage that I wanted. So. Anyway, the Garden State is wonderful sometimes. Um, But there I was driving around New England. And uh, I would love to say that I was like the perfect devout Christian in that time, that I was fasting and praying. Uh, I'm not so good at fasting. Uh, (laughs) That may not be a surprise to you. I was not spending 15 hours a day kneeling on the floor of my motel room crying out to God. This this was not what I was doing. I was chilling out, I was relaxing, I was emptying myself of all the frustrations and opening up to God. I was saying at various points during those drives, what do you want, God? Just let me know, I'm here, I'm listening. And so the challenge I bring to you in that is as you face these decisions of your own, as you're praying, God, what do you want me to do? Sometimes it's good to get away. Sometimes it's good to get that perspective, change of perspective, get away from the things that are troubling you. But it's really not about you and how well you pray. Just open up, just listen. Just let God get through to you. Let him do the work, he will. I got to the end of that vacation, I remember that Sunday night I was about to, I was heading back to work the next day and I still didn't have a clear idea of what to do. I was about 50-50 on leaving or staying and I, I didn't know. And I remember thinking this vacation was a waste. I, the whole idea was to get away and to figure out what I was going to do. I don't know, and I'm going back into this same kind of whirlpool of uncertainty. God, you didn't tell me. What what am I missing here? And that was a moment where I I got a clear direction from God. I I heard God say to me and and. Well, I felt God saying to me, I don't have an answer for you yet. Try me again next week. <laughs> Go back to work. It's not, so, not such a good idea to make a decision on vacation when you're in this kind of unworldly, young, unrealistic situation of relaxation, go back to work. Get in the day-to-day grind. And I will keep talking to you. You keep listening to me. And and by Friday, we'll probably have an answer for you. Okay. So I did. You may be here this morning and um, and This whole idea of God talking to you may be a strange idea to you. And I want to acknowledge that, that this sounds a little loony to some people, the idea that you hear voices, that God is directing you, that can get dangerous. But I want to well, I want to admit that it is a little loony, but, but it is based on this idea that God is within us, that God lives within us, and that God communicates to us. We pray to God, and God responds. And so as we open our hearts to him, it is not usually an audio, audible voice. It is not, do this. It is a sense that we have. It is what we see and what we seek. It is God working internally in our hearts, in our desires, in our understanding of the way things are. Clarity that comes to our minds. This is how God speaks to us. So it may not be as crazy as it first seems, but that was the message I got on that Sunday night. Go back to work for this week. And it was an amazing week, let me tell you. Monday. I was in a three hour departmental leadership meeting. What fun. Maybe you've been in meetings like that. In this one, the conversation began to spin around and I wasn't part of it. I mean, I wasn't, it, it, it seemed to, be spinning separately from me. They were talking about things that did not connect with me. I got very much a sense that I did not belong here anymore. Uh, Some of the things that they were talking about were, uh, so we need every one of you to be a fundraiser I'm not a, fund, a fundraiser, I'm a, I'm a creator, I'm a writer, I'm an editor, I create stuff that shares the Bible with people. I wouldn't know how to ask people for money, I'm not good at that, that's not me. It needs to be done, I'm glad that other people do it, but that's not my gift here. They brought someone in to talk about technology and how we're doing all this. Everything we do will be technological and we're following this new technology in this and you've got to be in the midst of it. And I'm not a technology guy. I'm, I missed that train somewhere along the way. And I would show you my cell phone, but I'm embarrassed. It's old and, and, and archaic. I'm not a technology guy, that's not me. And I came away from this meeting with a clear sense that this company is moving forward in certain directions, but it's not where I need to go. And so after that Monday, I was thinking, you know, I'm 60% toward toward leaving. Not sure, 60%. Tuesday. We have a staff meeting every week for the 150 people in that company and uh, and being a, a Christian ministry we have devotions as part of that staff meeting and we kind of share, you know, we rotate every year or so. Each person gets to lead the devotions and it just so happened this was my week to lead devotions. I had committed to it several months earlier and I had actually been planning what I was going to say several months earlier before any of this happened. And It was so often a very serious time, and I wanted to lighten it up a little bit. So I was planning to talk about an old camp song that I learned in my childhood. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. You know that song? Maybe some of you, okay. Uh, there's a third verse to that song. You, you know, when you're at camp, you know, in, in youth group or whatever, you start adding all sorts of silly lyrics as you go. And so there was a verse that said, Give me unction for my gumption, let me function for the Lord. And so I decided to explicate this very meaningful third verse of Give Me Oil in My Lamp. And so I taught, What's unction? Unction is anointing. That's what that word means. It's the anointing. It, sometimes it's a ritual done with oil, but it's also, in, it, it speaks of the anointing of the spirit. The Holy Spirit anoints people to do special things and gives them special abilities and recognizes who they are and charges them to do a task. We see it in the Old Testament all the time. People were anointed as prophets, they were anointed as kings, they were anointed as priests, the unction of God came upon them to acknowledge what they were able to do and to charge them with the task of doing that. Give me unction for my gumption. What is gumption? Well, another colloquial term, modern America, or actually old time America. It has has a lot of different meanings. It has to do with your inner drive, your get up and go, your nerve, your courage, your passion. And I said to this group, what are you passionate about? What's your gumption? What do you love to do? And some of you have technology as a gumption. And so you have a job in technology. That's not me. But maybe you do. Some of you like to put things in order. And so you have those jobs, you're a project manager maybe, or an administrative assistant. Some of you like to lead others and have that gumption to, to make sure that everyone is, is fulfilling their purpose as well. And if you're like me, you have a gumption for writing. I love to create communication that drives people that drives people toward God and toward the Bible. This is my gumption and I gotta do it. Is there unction on your gumption? Has God anointed you to do what he's given you the passion to do? That's what I said in that devotion that morning. I didn't realize how important that was gonna be for me. That I needed to listen to what I was saying. That my gumption for writing and creating was being ignored at the company now and that God wanted to anoint that and give me a way to do that. Later that day I came back from lunch and I stopped at the corner of Fourth and Market, I, my company was in Philly, and um, there's a guy who plays saxophone on the corner, a guy named David. And I've gotten to know him over the years and uh, he's a great guy and, and for the first Six months or so that I knew him, he, 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 was, he, he would always say, man, I'm just out here spreading the love, man. I'm spreading the love. And I said, that's great. The city needs more love. What you're doing is really great. Appreciate your music, appreciate the love that you share here. As he got to know that I was a Christian, he got a little more theological in his, uh, in his communication with me. And so he began to talk about how God was using him as he played his saxophone on the corner here. And uh, in, on this particular day, on that, that Tuesday, he was, he, was, he was saying, hey, I got a new horn here. I went all the way out to Cherry Hill to get, to get this new saxophone. And uh, he was, seemed a little apologetic about spending the money on this. And I said, man, this is how you glorify God. You need this horn to do this. I knew this was his gumption. Huh? And um, then he turned to me and he said, yeah, whatever God enables you to do, you've got to give that to him for his glory. Whatever God gives you to do, you've got to give that to him for his glory. Very simple statement, but he was a prophet in this moment. He was saying exactly what I needed to hear. I've got to give this gumption to him for his glory. I went home on Tuesday about 70% sure that I was going to leave. Wednesday I had a team lunch uh, with three other people who report to me and I told them what I was thinking about leaving and they were, they were sad, but they were also supportive. They understood where I was coming from and one of them whose, whose spiritual life, whose life of prayer I have always respected, she said to me, Randy, I pray for you every morning that you would feel fulfilled in this job. And uh, Lately, she said, I've been praying that you would just be fulfilled in your life, that God would use you as he wants to use you in fulfilling ways. And... Um and I appreciated that. Uh, later in that lunch, I looked around the table and I had a kind of vision. And again, I know this may sound loony too, but it was, it was a recognition of these people at the table. I had been concerned, and even in this whole process, I was concerned that it might hurt them if I left, that they needed me to, to, to lead them and I suddenly had this vision that if I left, each one of them would step up and be able to do better without me, that they'd have more writing to do, that they'd be able to lead, that they'd take on more responsibility, that they would meet challenges, that it was better for them if I would go. And that wasn't just humility, that was a clear vision of how each of them might thrive. And so that obstacle was removed and I went home that day 80% sure that I was going to leave. I wasn't sure when I would leave. Thursday I talked with a boss of mine and and suddenly realized that the department was at a certain seam in its planning, that we were stopping old things and starting new things. And I suggested to that boss, maybe this is a good time for me to leave rather than waiting a few months until I get everything set. And he agreed. He didn't really want me to leave, he said, but yeah, if you're gonna leave, this is a good time. I went home Thursday, 90% sure that I was gonna leave. And um, I should also tell you that on the evenings when I went home, I was talking to people. I was talking to my brother and my sister and my father, some friends, I'd been talking with Jeff Bills about this all along the way, and I would gotten some good counsel. I wasn't looking for permission as much as just, just kind of testing out my thoughts. Am I thinking clearly? And uh, I got affirmation. Not everyone agreed with me. Some of them thought it was a bad idea, but as I explained it, they, they kind of embraced it and embraced me, and so on that Friday, I was 100% sure that I needed to leave, and I went in and, and gave my notice. And two weeks later, November 2nd, was my last day. And I will tell you that in the last month there have been several times that I woke up and said, oh no, what have I done? And then the Holy Spirit says to me, don't you remember? I was with you every step of the way. Don't you remember all those things that happened? Yeah, okay. I trust. I trust that you were in that, that you guided me every step of the way. So you have decisions to make and we've talked about praying, about the situation, praying about your own response to it, opening up and setting aside that time and maybe it's a vacation but maybe it's a day, maybe it's an hour where you just sit and clear everything else out and open yourself to God's leading and then it's a matter of paying attention as the people in your life start speaking the prophetic word of God to you. What does God want for you? How do you see things and seek things differently? And God will lead you. I found a really great quote from one of my favorite books. The book is The Go-Between God by John V. Taylor. It's an old book um, about the Holy Spirit He says, the Holy Spirit is the invisible third party who stands between me and the other, making us mutually aware. We so commonly speak about him as a source of power, but in fact, he enables us, not by making us supernaturally strong, but by opening our eyes. The Holy Spirit is that power which opens eyes that are closed, hearts that are unaware, and minds that shrink from too much reality. The Holy Spirit guides us in these ways and empowers us, not always by making us superheroes but often by just letting us see things clearly, letting us see where that next step is. Galatians 5, we read, keep in step with the Spirit. And that is so often the way it is, step by step. Not that vision of the far future, but the, step, the, the next step, what he wants us to do next. The Israelites, after they had that amazing miracle of crossing the Red Sea, sea parting they walked through they were rescued from the Egyptian army they had a big party Miriam was leading her girl band and Moses wrote a song for the occasion it was a fabulous party and then what where do we go now they're perched on the edge of the desert that they have to cross in order to get to the land that God had promised to them God said I will lead you and God sent a cloud to do that, a bright cloud to guide them. We have scripture on that from, uh, from Exodus. Let's see. Then the cloud uh, covered, uh, so they would travel in the, in the desert there. And then st- when the cloud stopped, they would stop and they would set up the tabernacle, the holy tent and the cloud would come down and rest in the tabernacle. That's what we read here. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The next slide. Uh, in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. I think we have one more. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. This holy bright cloud of God. Now I know some of you uh, go to the cloud for guidance now. It's a Google cloud or something but it's a different kind of thing. This was an actual bright burning cloud that God used as he led his people through the desert. I find that image amazing, and I, and I see some variations of it in the New Testament. Go with me on this, I'm, this is a little speculative. Jesus goes to John the Baptist to be baptized. And um, John doesn't wanna do it at first, Jesus is perfect, you don't need to repent of your sins. Jesus says, let it be so, we, we, we want it to happen here. Jesus is baptized, and in a show of support, what happens, there's a dove that f- comes down from heaven and lands on Jesus' head. A dove, a bright white shining bird and a voice from heaven. God says, this is my beloved son. He makes me happy. And, um, but this bright white shining, almost like a cloud coming down, a little bit of a cloud coming down on Jesus' head. The spirit came down from, above in the form of this dove. So that's one image. I'm saying it's the same thing. It's the cloud. It's God's guidance. It's God saying yes to Jesus. The day of Pentecost. Jesus had ascended into heaven, his followers were gathered together, and suddenly there's the sound of a wind there. The word for wind is the same as the word for spirit, by the way. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, and what does it look like? Tongues of fire. Tongues is interesting there because they wind up being heard in different languages. The word tongues also means languages. But these little lapping flames of fire come down from heaven and rest on their heads. a 100 of them maybe, 120 of them maybe. Little tongues of fire on their heads. I think that's the same thing. Bright cloud coming down onto each one of the followers of Jesus. And the reason I'm telling those stories is because that's what you have. You have the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven in you. Not just on you, but in you, your gumption is being unctioned by the Holy Spirit who speaks to you, who guides you, who tells you what the next step is going to be when you listen. Quickly, I have a few thoughts of what the Spirit tells us what the Spirit does for us. As we listen to the Spirit, what does the Spirit say? There are lots of things we learn in in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna zero in on three and very quickly cover them. First is the Spirit of truth. We're gonna skip that slide and go to the the one we talked about earlier there. Um, Oh yeah, we skipped that one and skipped that one, sorry. So, um, come back for the, for, for the 10.30 service, I'll get this right. <laughs> um, and one more, uh, the next one, thank you. Jesus, when he promised the Holy Spirit to them said, when he, the spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me. The Spirit of God tells us the truth and particularly tells us the truth about Jesus and what Jesus does for us. The Spirit of truth. We, it's no surprise to you, we are in a truth crisis in our culture right now, right? I mean, you go online and and you can't believe anything you read online. You listen to, let's say, politicians. Can't really believe anything you hear. Everything is marketing these days. Everything is branding. Everything is putting out that image, whether it's true or false, doesn't really matter. And that's what we're hearing from people. The truth doesn't matter. It's just, tell a good story. The spirit of truth is guiding us step by step to tell the truth but also to be the truth, to be people of integrity whose actions line up with our words. The spirit will guide you to be the truth even when that's difficult. The spirit is also the spirit of life. We have another scripture here. The apostle Paul writes, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And Paul makes this comparison um, between the deeds of the flesh being driven by your bodily desires and the life of the spirit which brings life. And it's not that the body is bad, it's that the body, when you take the spirit away from it, is... unruly and leads you to decay, to death. There is violence. There is dissipation. There is death. When the Spirit comes, the Spirit gives life. And the Spirit takes your body and fills your body. Paul says, the Spirit raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The spirit will lead you in the way of life. One of the great things as I was uh, planning to go on that vacation and think about my situation, a friend of mine gave me a suggestion. Um, And it's an old, it's a thing the monks used to do in the Middle Ages, Plan out your options. Look at your options and see what in each option, what are the things that lead to life and what are the things that lead to death? And not death, death, but deadening. The death of ideas or dreams or, or hopes or whatever. What's life and what's death in each of those things that you wanna do? Make a list and look at those lists according to death and life. The spirit brings life. Finally, the spirit is a spirit of love. We read, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And then in Second Timothy, the spirit, of God gave, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. What a wonderful triad of of qualities, power, love, and self-discipline. Somehow in our world today, one of the untruths that has gone out is that Christians are people of hate and judgment. We need to change that. We need to be the experts in love We need to take the love that God has put into our hearts and share that with people in radical, crazy ways. We need to study how best to love the people in our community, how to love our neighbors, how to love our relatives, how does love capture us. The Holy Spirit will guide us step by step by step to love better, to love effectively in the way of life and truth. I pray for you that the decisions you make would be guided by the Spirit. Open yourselves up and let the Spirit bring truth and life and love into your lives. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Guide us in the decisions that we need to make. Let us know what you want for us. Comfort us, challenge us, protect us, put us into precarious situations, but then keep guiding us step by step by step. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, have a good week.